0: chapter seven of what dress makes of us this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. dot org recording by ellie what dress makes of us by dorothy quickly chapter seven how men caricature themselves with their clothes although in the dress of men there are fewer possibilities of caricature than in that of women yet the masterpieces of creation frequently exaggerate in a laughable and sometimes a pitiable way certain physical characteristics by an injudicious choice of clothes. As the fashion in hairdressing does not grant man the privilege of enhancing his facial attractions, more of obscuring his defects by a becomingly arranged coiffure, and as the modes in neckgear are such that he cannot modify the blemishes of a defective complexion by encircling his athletic or scrawny throat with airy or dainty lace that arch idolizer of pasty-looking faces and as he has forsworn soft trailing garments that conceal unclassic curves and uninspiring lines of nether limbs it behoves him to be more exactingly particular even than women in the selection of his wearing apparel far be it from me however to remind man of his many limitations in dress that he can never know the rapture of donning a becoming spring bonnet or the pleasure of possessing real lace things nor the sensuous charm of being enwrapped in caressing furs or sleazy silken garments as exquisite in colour and texture as beautiful fresh flowers only delicate consideration for his feelings constrains me from expatiating upon at length i would rather be able to remind him that he can make his limitations his advantages than reveal to him what he misses in not being a woman to treat of this important subject adequately and convincingly one would require the masterly disconcernment of a skilful and accomplished tailor the experienced knowledge of a well-dressed man and the alertly critical perception of a loving woman who even in the matter of closes wishes the dearest of men to her to do full justice to himself and her ideal of him on all occasions although certain of the foregoing qualifications must needs be lacking nevertheless this timorous pen with more trepidation than courage it must be confessed begs to call attention to a few obvious details in masculine attire that caricatures more or less peculiarities in the forms and features of men to be sure in the matter of headgear, man is not conspicuously at the mercy of burlesquing ribbons flowers and feathers, and he has fewer opportunities than women to make himself ridiculous. Yet a few suggestions regarding certain shapes of headgear for certain types of faces applicable to women are equally applicable to him. The same rule that applies to the woman of the wet-shaped type of face applies to the man of the wet-shaped type, as may be seen in sketches number seventy five and seventy six it is obvious that the use depicted in number seventy five distracts from the manliness of his face and emphasizes the pointed appearance of his countenance by wearing a hat with a broad rim projecting over his ears this style of hat appears more frequently in straw than in any other texture but with the effect of a wide projecting rim is the same in any material number seventy six it is plain improves the appearance of a long slim-faced man an alpine hat would not be unbecoming to him the high oval of the crown forming a balance for the lower part of the face the man with the puglistic chin should endeavour to select a hat that will not make his heavy jaw as prominent as does the stiff derby in number seventy seven a soft alpine hat or one somewhat of the style of number seventy eight improves his appearance the high crown and wide gracefully rolling brim counterbalance the weight and prominence of the jaw apropos of the minor details of men's garments the button as a feature of clothes has never been fully done justice to it is a sustaining thing we know something we can hang to fasten to and even tie to that properly placed buttons contribute to our mental poise and therefore to our physical repose is hinted in that absurdly engaging story and then the smart boy who was the envy of his spelling class because he always stood first you remember no doubt that an envious but keen-eyed classmate observed that the smart speller worked off his nervous apprehensiveness by twirling the button of his coat as he correctly spelled word after word day in and day out and how the keen-eyed one played the part of a stealthy villain and surreptitiously cut a button off the coat and do you remember the dramatic ending how the smart one on the fatal day sought to press the button and finding it gone lost his wits completely and failed ignominiously many of us when we have lost a sustaining button have we not felt as ridiculously helpless and wit benumbed as the smart speller? we all subconsciously acknowledge our dependence upon buttons but not many of us evidently have observed that even buttons have a certain possibility of caricature in them and that they may add to or detract from the appearance of the manly forms the consideration of properly placed buttons may seem trivial to you but if you will observe sketches number seventy nine and eighty you may discern that a thin man may apparently increase the breadth and add a certain manly touch to his figure by changing the buttons at the waistline of his coat the buttons placed near together in number seventy nine really make his toothpick proportions too obvious his back is made to look broader by placing the buttons wider apart as shown in number eighty and changing the cut of his coat tail that the fat man may also present a more attractive back to his enemies by considering the placing of his button may be seen in drawings number eighty one and eighty two the buttons decorating eighty one are placed so far apart that they increase in an ungainly way the breadth of the back at the waistline if they are placed nearer together and the seams graduated to meet them, they give the illusion of better and more desirable proportions, as may be seen in eighty two. That the thin man may also present a more imposing and broader front to the world is suggested in sketches numbers eighty three and eighty four. The contracted look of the coat in number eighty three is somewhat due to the buttons of his double-breasted coat being placed so closely together the slender man who wishes to give the impression of being broad-chested may have the buttons on his coat placed a little farther apart than fashion may allow as shown in sketch eighty four the proportions may be easily preserved by a careful adjustment of the shoulder seams and the seams under the arms the waist-line is not so much a danger-line to men as to women yet men should not wholly ignore his equator. If he is long waisted he can apparently balance his proportions by having his skirt shortened as in number eighty five and his waistline raised the merest bit. If he is too short waisted he can lengthen his skirt and lower his waistline as shown in eighty six. In the one he escapes appearing too long and lanky in body, in the other he obscures a lack of becoming inches that tends to give him a dumpy appearance if you study your fellow men you will observe that few are really perfectly proportioned one man will have the body of a viking on the legs of a dwarf or one will have the legs of an apollo supporting the short body of a pygmy the man who has the kingly body too broad in proportion to his legs as shown in sketch number eighty seven will endeavour to modify his physical defect by a careful selection of his coats he should have his coats cut to give him as much length of leg as possible a skillful tailor will know just what subtle changes and adjustments to make the improvement in appearance and gain in height is pictured in sketch eighty-eight the coat being shorter and the waist of the trousers being raised a trifle the man's limbs seem longer which is an improvement long lines tend to give elegance and grace in bearing another thing for the too robust type of man to consider is the style of his trousers number eighty-seven hints what he must not choose such brazen plates may make him appear offensively aggressive in size long fine lines such as shown in number eighty-eight give an impression of length and apparently lessen the width two long lines however are almost as undesirable as two short ones over tall thin men sometimes make themselves look like telegraph poles or flagstaffs by wearing short coats that expose in a graceless way the whole length of their limbs they suggest grains or other foal that give the impression of being all legs when the legs are proportioned more like a stick of macaroni or a lead pencil than the shapely limbs of an adonis they appear exceedingly funny when surmounted by a short coat such is pictured in number eighty nine a famous general in the civil war did not despise cotton as a fortification to protect him from the onslaught of the enemy the over-tall thin man who is not unsuggestive of a picket should not be ashamed to fortify himself with cotton or any other sort of padding that intelligent tailors keep in stock he should build his shoulders up a bit and be generally but most carefully and artistically enlarged his coat should be lengthened as in sketch ninety to cut off just as much of the longness of limp as can possibly be allowed without destroying artistic proportions the very tall thin man who unthinkingly wears a short coat should be brave and never turn his back to his enemy if he wears black and white jack trousers and a short blue coat he should travel with his screen a man in just such a rig attracted no end of comment in a fashionable hotel the caricaturing effect of his trousers and coat were unspeakably comical the wearer had a face as grave as an undertaker's and the air of a serious-minded college professor but they had the nondescript look of a scarecrow, or whatever available garments could be obtained from the cast-off wardrobe of summer boarders in a farmhouse. Coats assuredly have the power of making cartoons living, jocular cartoons of their wearers. It would hardly seem necessary to call attention to the fact that the man of huge dimensions should not wear a short coat, such as shown in sketch number ninety-one yet his type is too frequently seen attired in this style a man so dressed certainly seems the living exemplification of the definition of a jug namely a vessel usually with a swelling belly narrow mouth and a handle for holding liquors it cannot be reiterated too often that a large stout man should aim to acquire the distinction and dignity given by long lines if his body is proportioned so he really has neither length of torso nor of limb he must pay more attention to the cut of his clothes and attain length in whatever artistic way he can the long coat as may be seen in sketch number ninety two not only apparently adds length but it conceals too the protuberant curves of course character counts far more than clothes we will all agree to that but at first glance it is a man's clothes that impress people clothes affect our behavior somewhat for instance when the young european emigrant after a summer's labour puts on for the first time a new coat he puts on much more his good and becoming clothes put him on thinking that he must behave like people who are so dressed and silently and steadily his behaviour mends of course there is an uplifting truth in george herbert's maxim the coat with my discretion will be brave yet i am inclined to think that the majority of men who will stop to consider will agree that Emerson, who says if a man has not firm nerves and has keen sensibility, it is perhaps a wise economy to go to a good shop and dress himself irreproachably. He cannot dismiss all care from his mind and may easily find that performance an addition of confidence, a fortification that turns the scale in social encounters and allows him to go gaily into conversations where else he had been dry and embarrassed i am not ignorant i have heard with admiring submission the experience of the lady who declared that the sense of being perfectly well dressed gives a feeling of inward tranquillity which religion is powerless to bestow a popular clothier in new york understanding his trait of his fellow-man voices this same sentiment in his advertisement in this succinct way seriously now have you ever stopped to think that if you wear good clothing it adds much to that independent easy feeling you should have when you come in contact with other men i think it was lord chesterfield who said a man is received according to his appearance and dismissed according to his merits there is a bit of truth in this we would all admit i have no doubt if we studied the question clothes affect our own poise ease and attitude toward others and the expression of others toward us but after all we rely upon the man or woman instead of upon the impression we receive from the clothes the garments after we have noticed them in a superficial way are chiefly interesting to us because they are the arch betrayers of the physical and mental poise of the man no matter what the cut of the clothes no matter what cachet of a fashionable tailor a youth may have or what its richness of material, the attitude of La decadence of number ninety three would make the best clothes in Christendom look shabby and unattractive. This too familiar carriage of the American man makes one wish to have the power to reverse the faces, as Dante did those of the false prophets, so those who stand a la decadence might see what ridiculous figures they cut in drawing room and street. The curved backs and rounded out shoulders would make fair-looking chests and the flat chests would represent respectable-looking backs a man owns it to the spirit within him not to stand or walk in such an attitude he should brace up and keep bracing up persistently unremittingly until he attains a more manly bearing the wholly alive fellow pictured in sketch number ninety four would make homespun look elegant his chest is forward he does not sag in front at the waist protruding his abdomen in not only an inartistic but an unhealthy manner but he strides masterfully forward with an air of inspiring aliveness the perfect poise for this attitude is not unsuggestive to the apollo Belvedere, the model of all men a picture of which every college boy should have a place beside the prettiest girl in his collections of pretty girls to constantly remind him to carry himself like a young god End of Chapter Seven. Recording by Ellie, May two thousand and nine. End of What Dress Makes of Us by Dorothy Quickly.